0: Stay tuned for episode 34 when Armin and I are joined by artists Nancy and Russell Thayer from their home and studios in Detroit. We have an insightful conversation on couples who are connected through art, life, and love. Welcome to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. This podcast is focused on interviews, features, and stories about art. It's for artists and art lovers. I'm Val. I'm the abstract artist in the group, joined by Armin, the realist. Welcome, everyone, to Art Ladder's The Creative Climb. And we are excited and here today with Nancy and Russell Thayer. They're a couple of artists we've known quite a while now, and we're so happy that they agreed to this podcast with us. We're just going to have a lot of fun here and learn a lot more about them. I'm going to start with their biographies, as a matter of fact. So uh, Nancy Thayer is an accomplished artist as an included in numerous collections, including the Detroit Institute of Arts, the Museum Papie Nitschwa in Poland, and Mint Alapitvani in Budapest. She is in over 100 private and corporate collections across Europe and the U.S. She was on the faculty of University of Michigan's School of Art and Design for over 20 years. Her MFA is from the Instituto Allende in Mexico, her M.A. from Michigan State University in Painting. She recently returned from her studio in Santa Fe after a session of creating paintings. And Russell Thayer is an artist who creates work in bronze, brass, aluminum, and steel. His work is in many collections, both private and public. He served as a professor of art history, sculpture, and drawing at Delta College and was a professor of art at the University of Michigan's School of Art and Design for over 15 years. He has a Master of Fine Arts from Instituto de Alande in San Miguel de Lente in Mexico, a Master of Art in Sculpture from Central Michigan University in Michigan, and a CC Certificate in Industrial Design from the Royal College of Art in London. So, Armin, I just read quite a lot of credentials there.
1: Yes, you did. Uh... Yeah, I've known both of you guys for, oh, gosh, you know, 40 years or something like that, at least. And, uh, uh, and uh, it was always fascinating to see your careers uh, blossom. And uh, I always, you know, when when you do a podcast and people ask you about influences, and I, I, I put you in there, Russell, for drawing, mm-hmm. you know, I know your drawing isn't your 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 main thing. You're interested in, but your drawings really, really uh, influenced me as a young artist. So I just wanted to get that in there. Uh, Thank you. I knew because I was going to Delta, and you were an amazing art history teacher there, and and opened my eyes really to art history as well. So uh, I, yeah. I don't. I've never taken a class with you, Nancy, but you know I. We have a lot of mutual respect for each other, too. So uh, welcome to our podcast.
0: <laughs> nice to be here. Oh, wonderful. We um, we are very curious because we are artists who are a couple and the same with you. So as, you're, as you are artists and partners, what is it like for a painter and a sculptor to live under one roof? <laughs> what is a typical day?
2: I, I th- think a very good part of this is that she is a painter and i am a sculptor Mm -hmm. Uh, we're in different studios doing different things at different times Mm -hmm. Um, and as long as we're being uh, helpful and pleasant to each other things go very very smoothly Um, but i cannot imagine two painters uh, or two sculptors i tried to sh- we tried to share a studio at one point, point. Um, and she's very contemplative, and I am very noisy, and I am running my grinders and so forth, and she is trying to think, um, and it just didn't. One of us had to leave, uh, and guess who it was?
0: Oh, boy. Nancy, what is your take on all that? Because I, I'm hearing some similarities already. <laughs> Let's see. So
3: what is it like uh, living together just as two artists or because we have um, different media? Um,
1: I think both.
3: I think the key, the key, you know, we've been together 50 years. Oh, um, congratulations. This oh, my gosh.
2: Someone pointed out to me that that is... <laughs> one-fifth of the history of the country.
0: Oh, there we go. Yes. So,
3: this is one of the reasons why we we can live together 50 years, because Russell has a unique sense of humor, um, which comes out from time to time. But I think the most important aspect of our um, successfully living together as two artists is our great admiration and respect for each other. Um, We we use the term real artist, and I tell Russell he's the real artist, and he says, no, I'm the real artist. And so instead of having any sense of competition, it's a, a sense of admiration and respect.
1: I agree. Yeah, you know, we we, uh, Val and I went through the same thing. Uh, we had a studio together. It must have lasted three or four days. Uh, you know, I listened to certainly different music than that. And, uh, you know, you get into each other's space and you start talking about each other's work if you're not asked to. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, it's just started or Val, you know, so. There was a little bit of that, and we also have separate studios, and and respect each other a lot. But mm-hmm. I think people wonder out there in uh, in the world how two artists can do it, or they think, oh, that must be wonderful. It's two artists. I don't think it's either one of those. It just is. Uh, and as long as you respect the other person, and and you, I, you'd have to admire somebody. As an artist, I mean, if I didn't like her as an artist, I don't think I could have got married to her.
0: Mm
1: hmm. Because that's a big part of my life. Right?
0: Was it art that brought you two together as well? That's what brought us together.
3: Kind of yes and no. Russell was my teacher mm-hmm. um, in um, when I lived in Midland and he was interim director of the Saginaw Art Museum and taught a drawing class. Uh, At night, and um, someone let me know that there was this wonderful drawing class, and so I started taking his class. Um, And yet, what drew me to him um, was not the fact that he carried a, a sketchbook with him at all times and was never seen without it, and was known as the city artist, the best artist in Saginaw, Bay City, or Midland. Um, but it was for the qualities that I recognized in him that, uh, had a sense of wisdom and kindness, and compassion, and intelligence. And, um, I remember once 50 years ago, uh, actually before we actually got together, it was, I don't care if you're an artist. I care about you as a human being. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was one of the few people I think in the whole Tri-City area that, um, instead of seeing him first as an artist, saw him as an extraordinary person, Um, and I've been fortunate enough to spend the next fifty years with him. Mm, That's a wonderful story. Um,
1: Do you ever do you ever get, as far as showing your work, you've done uh, a few two two-person shows. I know that I curated one in Midland up here. And uh, does that ever interfere? You know, that you, you you know, sometimes I think people think of and armin as this unit, and it's always, it's not always that unit. Does that ever happen to you where, you know, you need to separate from that unit in, within your work or?
3: Um, I don't think so. The two-person shows, came much after we each had a great deal of success, Russ with, um, huge public sculptures and I with, um, gallery shows that would sell out. And, uh, we were showing in different galleries in Chicago. I had galleries in New York, um, Cleveland and, um, he, too, had galleries in Chicago, and sometimes we'd be in the same gallery, sometimes not. But it didn't really make a difference. And so it was sort of after the fact that we had opportunities to show in a, a two-person show.
0: Hmm. I think... Um... Oh, I don't know. Uh, nonprofits and art centers really enjoy that story of two artists that work together. It's become kind of a storyline for shows at this point. And mm-hmm. uh, I can uh, see though that the, the importance of being established with your own identities and then coming together and and having these wonderful shows. they're very, very popular. So and um Russell, you out there in the public art world, that to me, <laughs> Seems like that would be a very um, physical type of way. Not only your art making is a very physical way of art making, but then overseeing the installations and all of that that you do. Can you can you recall kind of the well, I'm going to put it two ways, either the the easiest installation you ever did or the hardest installation you ever had in sculpture?
2: well, working in the in the public realm is is different um, in that you're you're dealing with a lot of kind of non art elements. Um, I was told early on uh, that you can't really have any sharp things going on in your sculptures mm-hmm. uh, because people are going to hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and fin- the finances are different. The The one at Michigan State I did, um, 16 feet tall, um, the, the, the budget is set up ahead of time, um, which has nothing whatsoever to do with the actual expenses of making the piece a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you agree to do it and then figure out somehow how to do it within that budget. Um, and I, I wound up finding people to help me do the installations a lot of times. Um, I don't have the equipment um, to, to move these, these big pieces, and I can't get up 16 feet uh, to head to... I Well, I, I do, and I fall off ladders. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to do that anymore. Um, it, it, um, I am a drawer and therefore I like to do, well, I need to do absolutely everything myself. Um, and I, it's very difficult for me to hire someone else to work on my piece. Uh, you can't, I guess some people do, but it's very hard to find somebody to do your drawings for you.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it's, you you get into the public realm uh, and there are time restraints that you just cannot um, handle by yourself it, it's a different thing and it took me a long time to figure out how to manipulate all of that mm-hmm. um, it's, it's different than a studio thing
4: mm-hmm.
2: I enjoy it um, my one of the degrees at the university. Um, was an industrial design, um, and you you go into that knowing that you're not going to do everything yourself. Uh, that's why it didn't last in that particular profession. Um, that, that, that was, for me, the biggest hurdle, and I still have that problem. Um, finding somebody to do things the way you want to do them. Uh, without crimping their skills and, and so forth, I, it's a different thing.
4: hmm It and, sure is.
2: And I, and there's a part of me that enjoys, it's, it becomes problem solving mm-hmm. um, right. as, as well as creative. Um, and my getting older too. I can't do the things I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't. I. am not working in steel anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, aluminum is suits me much better uh, because it's so much lighter and easier to, to move. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as as I well as I change um, the way I work has to change. Mm-hmm. Um just physically and, and emotionally and so on. I so I'm, I'm sort of constantly shifting and changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. I um, want to talk to Nancy about the creating out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I really love that area. And I, um, it's very uh, spiritual area as well. And very like Russell was saying about you, very contemplative. How did that session go for you?
3: Well, I've been doing this for now 11 years. This was my 11th year of of working. I started out two months at a time. And um, there was a, a year where it was three months, once in the winter and twice in the summer. Um, I had reached a dead end in my studio here uh, about 12 years ago, and I uh, didn't want to just repeat what I had already done and said and painted. And the opportunity came up um, to go out to Santa Fe and to work for two months. Um, And. um, I remember uh, driving from Denver down to Santa Fe and seeing mountains and mountains and mountains. And I started crying um, uncontrollably. And I was driving and I had to pull off, um, went off on an exit and pulled into a parking lot and called Russell, who was back here in Michigan. And I was crying and crying. And he said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know, but I'm looking at mountains and it makes me cry. And um, I said, um, I have to stop crying so that I can drive because I just saw a sign that said, um, don't hit the bears. And, you know, like we have these highway signs with the image and the cross through sure. it It was beware of bears. And I thought, uh, I can't cry because I might hit a bear. And you know, we don't have that problem out in Michigan. Um, but my work was uh, impacted almost immediately by working surrounded by mountains. I found an ideal studio that I've returned to, I think, nine or ten times now. Um, and um, met wonderful artists there who um, I'm very honored and privileged to call friends. And uh, we visit each other's studios. Um, so it's had a huge impact on me um i just have the quiet and the solitude and the beauty Mm -hmm. uh, really find what it is i want to paint about
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, would you consider the mountains and uh that that kind of vista changed in in the rhythm within your works and things like that Uh, just because uh, you're going into a different kind of landscape
3: Oh, it definitely did. It was,, um, you know i would I would see local artists painting the mountains with magenta and turquoise and all these bright uh, so-called Santa Fe colors. And that's not what the mountains are. The mountains are indigo. When you're driving along, um, what you see is uh, this amazing indigo formation mm-hmm. that just goes on forever. And so that certainly influenced my palette. Um, there was a peacefulness about it, um, a, a contemplate uh, I would contemplate the uh, exact um, outlines and perimeters and um so although my work was far more, I could say painterly or active um before that, it became much quieter and deeper and um, I thought reflected more of the dignity and uh, the presence of the mountains. I did not want to decorate or insult the mountains mm-hmm. to express their spiritual strength. Um, also, I started working in um, uh, proportions that were eight feet wide and three feet high. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't see myself painting a smaller, um, I'm trying to do that now. I'm uh, attempting to now um, translate uh, that spirituality and that power and that presence of the mountains into a smaller scale.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I found most many of my friends out there really did have very much a spiritual, um, I don't want to say spiritual nature, we all have that, uh, but they're involved with um, conversations that went deeper into um, issues that I felt were deeper, were uh, mm-hmm. more important. I know when I would come back here, I'd talk to some friends and they'd say, didn't you love the shopping in Santa Fe? Did you visit all those shops around the <laughs> plaza? And I said, what shops? What? <laughs> this is not what I'm
0: going out to that's not right. what your, your objective is at all. no no and that's... I love what you said about the the Santa Fe colors as well and how you you didn't see the mountains that way at all. And when I look at your work, it's it calm it calms me down when I look at your work. So your audience is getting the benefit of that. you know I can just stare into the mountains and and be at just peace, very meditative work very strong so exactly. yeah
3: exactly what I wanted to express was um, how the mountains impacted me um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share that with anyone else who would live with the painting to bring us mm-hmm. sort of, you know just a pause in the chaos or a pause in the um, decisiveness or a pause in any of the things that will pull us away from uh, that sense of calm and
0: peace. And,
1: uh, oh,
0: know. definitely comes across. Well,
1: I, I, I remember uh, hanging your work. I don't remember how many years ago that was. And when you hang artwork as a curator, uh, you spend uh, a lot of time with the art, just by yourself. And I was transfixed and, and moved by every image that I was hanging. Ooh. And uh, it, it's a unique way to see artwork when you're the one that hangs it on the wall. Yeah. Apart from the thing, I hope this thing doesn't fall down. You know, that's that's (laughs) the first thing, right? I hope
0: this eight foot painting doesn't fall
1: down. And, you know, your pieces are made of a lot of different materials and they're not always the lightest things in the world, but uh, they were certainly uh, uh, very, very moving. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And uh, I always thought you had this kind of relationship with the simplest of shapes with landscapes, you know, picking out simple kinds of things and making them so powerful that people that are fussing around with detail didn't get.
3: Mm -hmm. I also started hiking um, right after I um, started going west. I had friends who regularly would hike the Rockies, and so they taught me how to properly um, survive hiking up. um, The highest was 14,000 feet. I lived at uh, just under eight thousand feet, uh, and coming from Franklin, eight hundred feet up to eight thousand feet was um, more. It was breathtaking in a lot of ways. <laughs> but yeah. so being in the mountains too gave me um, that experience of the power and the presence and the uh, the importance of the land. The importance of the landscape. So um, that's what I chose to express.
1: Um, It it seems to me, you know, when I think about it, when when, you are talking about mountains, the way that you represent mountains. When I see those in your works, I feel the mountains. You take a photo of a mountain. Mm -hmm. You don't. When you get them home, you look at these photos and, Mm -hmm. you know, what I was seeing isn't represented at all here, you know. And uh, the way you translate them, you know, you you get the power of them and the majesty of them and mm-hmm. the respect that you were talking about earlier. So, uh, I commend you on, on 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 bringing that to the uh, the viewer of of your works.
3: Thank you so much, Erwin. That is very important to me. That's That's I appreciate Thank that. You. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: And Russell, you have a background in a big, huge background in art history, being a professor of art history. And I, I'm wondering, because I know I let my past art history studies influence my ongoing work. How did all of those studies influence your sculptures? What, what are your major influences when you're doing those, those huge sculptures?
2: Um, I, my background in art history was at the university, um, and I, I, they were my favorite classes. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Um, and first, I don't know why that, that appealed to me, so, um, but a lot of the classes I took at the university were very scholastic um memorizing dates and, and things like this, which didn't appeal to me at all. Um, I remember I found one of my notebooks uh, from my art history class at the university. Uh, and I had there there were no there was no information. Uh, I had taken notes from the lectures and there was no information but I had de- detailed drawings of all the slides. Um, I, I was just fascinated with the, the shapes of things and so forth. And the, but I couldn't, I couldn't care less about what the stuff was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite art history teacher um, gave us assignments. Um, like the history of the arts of Japan, uh, Mm -hmm. imagine yourself as a Japanese, uh, fisherman back in the 17th century, 16th century, uh, and you're going to visit an art object. Uh, and so that, that was it. Um. Everybody in the class worked like crazy to to be become inventive and involved in the art, um, and we all desperately tried to impress the teacher with how much we were learning. Um, and so we would uh, go visit a Buddha uh, sculpture, uh, and we would talk about the trees that we were passing and what we ate for lunch and our shoes and things. Um, and it was more fun to write that stuff. Uh, we included the professor on occasion, which we always got little gold stars for. Uh, but the idea was to become involved in it, uh, connected with the work. What did we experience when we finally got to see this um, enormous sculpture of the Buddha? What was our response to it, and so forth? Not as not as an art history um a student or something, but as this Japanese person raised in a certain uh, culture and so
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and I love that approach. Um, they had they had a museum at the university and they would show examples of artwork from each art history class. Uh, And so they would show uh, scrolls and so forth that we could actually go and see the object. Uh, And I noticed one day I was in looking at them and all the other students had their little notebooks and they were writing down all the information uh, on the little cards uh, that they were busy trying to memorize. Um, And all the kids from the class I was in and nobody had their notebooks up. And nobody was taking information. They were they were busy responding uh, to the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 I, I love that.
0: Oh, I love that. Um,
2: too. Well, it, I my approach uh, to the art history was less scholastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't take my class. I don't know.
1: Uh, I, I
0: wish I had.
1: <laughs> I, I did. I, <laughs> and, I had the uh, other
0: kind of professors in art history, where we had the index cards. But to, now to I love couldn't wait. Art to, history
1: would be I the couldn't best. Couldn't wait to get into that class because you made everything uh, approachable, and it wasn't about a bunch of statistics. You were talking about the emotional involvement with it. I remember you talking about Bruegel and uh, and and things like that, and Bosch and. Uh, it was so. It, it did. You know, sometimes people will take an art history class because they want to, and the thing becomes so boring that for, they will not go further in it on their own. I mean, you know, ninety-five percent, what you get as an as a as an artist, you teach yourself. No matter no mm-hmm. matter how many great teachers you had, that builds that foundation, and then you go off. And it's your inspiration as a teacher and what you put into that knowledge that came more from you than about reading other books, in my mind, that uh, drove me to the interest of history, the history of art in itself, too. So I
2: always responded to the quality of the artwork. Uh, it didn't make a difference where the art came from. Um, I wasn't so much interested in uh, the aspects of this or that, or uh, I just responded to the beauty of the particular object, whether it was a broken piece of pottery or whatever it might be. Um, and that's, that was my approach to art history, uh, just, to respond to the magnificence of uh, a scribble, if it was a magnificent scribble, uh, or uh, the incredible detail uh, like on yours, Armin. uh, They just knocked me out. Um, I don't know if there's any one thing that influenced me. Uh, the Japanese art did uh, the thing I liked about the Japanese sculptures, or the the gates,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, the Tori gates out in the out in the waters. Um, that struck me as something very very basic. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like the mountains um, appeal so much to Nancy. I think these gates somehow appeal to me, and I don't. Um, again, because I'm not a scholar, uh I don't always know why uh, or understand why these things hit me the way they do uh, but the gates um really appealed to me,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I think deep down inside somewhere, like the mountains with Nancy
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, they almost make me cry sometimes um. I, I approach it less from the scholastic uh, approach, and uh, what what is it? How is it relating um, to my soul and so forth? Mm-hmm.
0: And the gate motif for me is that uh, I'm. I don't really. I don't use it in my work, but when I think about a gate, it's very um, symbolic. Oh. It has a lot of hope with involved with it. You know, that's how I think of a gate. And if you wrote down a lot of descriptive words of a gate, there's so many symbols that come to mind for me. How about you, Armin?
1: Well, you know, to go back to uh, Russell's gate pieces, Mm -hmm. the way they're formed in the design and composition of that always stuck with me.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: The symbolism of a gate is a different kind of thing. But the shape of the object and the shape of his pieces, mm-hmm. you know, opened up this excitement for me. Uh, and then there's a quiet to both of your works. There's a, there's a quietness to it.
4: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: scream out even these big sculptures that you do Russell and the big pieces you do. They're subtle, they're soft. They make you, they, you become one with these pieces in a very subtle way. So uh, I admire that. Do you guys influence each other? It sounds like you do.
4: Mm,
3: I don't know that we influence each other in our in the actual work. We influence each other in our lives, and so that has to mm-hmm. be an important part uh, an important part of it. Um, i I have a, a thought about his sculptures too, his his gates. To me, um, they present a choice. You can step through it. You can open the doors to a gate and step through it or not. You can keep them closed. And most of his gates have the option of the doors opening uh, or not. And it's like a sense of consciousness. Um, You have choices in how you choose to live your life and how you choose to think. uh, And you can step through the gates of what appears to be real now into the beyond. And those are some of the spiritual messages I get from Russ's gates, um, that there is that opportunity to go beyond um,
4: what like seems
3: real, you
2: know. Like your mountains. You could pass over the mountains.
0: That's right.
2: The over the mountain. Uh-huh.
0: Have you two, uh, and I, you may have had a direct Uh, collaboration project that you've worked on together. It seems to me it would be an exciting idea. And maybe you've done it
3: on the um, Northville project that we just did uh, and was installed actually during the pandemic. um, They uh, the city came to Russell and wanted him to do two sculptures, one for the entrance of um, the city project. And one for the top of a fountain of um and Russell decided I should do the one for the top of the fountain, and he would do the freestanding one at the entrance. Mm-hmm. So we worked together a little bit on those, but his piece was definitely his piece, and mine was definitely mine.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, we helped, the only way we helped was a little bit in fabrication and in discussion, mm-hmm. and we went together to city council meetings to explain our intentions mm-hmm. and how we would use their money. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we have never start to finish, Russ, I don't think we've ever started to finish design, mm-hmm. fabricated, and finished a piece. Hmm.
1: So, mm-hmm. Yeah, Val and I, uh, we've done some small collaborative things, um, but a collaboration is a tough, it's a tough Mm. thing to do with anybody, especially if you're very much uh, in the depth of your your art making and all of a sudden you have to Mm -hmm. do something. with Bruce Winslow and I did a few of these things too. They were interesting, but you lose a little bit of yourself and find a little bit of the other person. You know, mm-hmm. that's not how I prefer to make art. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like the no, mm-hmm. we don't
3: impose. Uh, in fact, we don't even talk about our work to each other much. People oh. must think that you know. Although more lately, I'll call Russ into the studio and say, "Well, you look at the painting and see if there's anything that annoys you." <laughs> <laughs> and if he can pick out something that he feels is not quite um where it should be he'll he might suggest that and it's
1: almost always right on and uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah that's the way Wales is too you know we don't we don't look at yeah. each other work in progress unless I ask her to and and she might say you know the worst things that ever happened in that kind of situation I got done with that piece and she looked at it and said oh that's nice <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean that's <laughs>
0: nice I, you know yeah I forget I'm, I'm sure I had something on my mind at that particular point or rushing off to do something but yeah and and it's funny I I love Nancy that you said you you called Russell and and invited him in that's see Armin that's how it works
1: <laughs> yeah well I've learned that I yeah
0: Oh, you have learned that that yeah. you have. Um, so I'm wondering the, the, I'm going to go back to the sculptures here a minute and in your work, Russell, what does a, a timeline look like this, this three dimensional work I'm thinking about the timeline, the, the planning process you mentioned working with the uh, Northville um, city council and, do these projects are they born like years before and then they're finally put together? Uh, what is that? Uh, what's that like? Uh,
2: it, each one's com- completely different. Uh
0: huh. Um,
2: the one, the one at Michigan State it was absolutely open. Um, it, I start them all with drawings because I'm basically mm-hmm. a drawer. Um, and so I do sketches uh, and solve a lot of problems with the sketches or sometimes don't solve the problems. Uh, but I get the idea in the sketch. Um, and then sooner or later, you have to turn that drawing into three dimensions. Uh, and so I make models, uh, mechanics. Uh, and... That changes your drawing. That's an interesting process, going from the drawing to the model. Um, I have I wind up with an awful lot more information in that drawing uh, that I'm aware of. Um, I could almost make a model from a a sketch, uh, and this this I don't know how it works. Um, but my head is thinking three dimensions. Um, the little drawing is not, um, but it's amazingly how cl- amazing how close I can get uh, with my drawing to what the final sculpture
4: mm-hmm. comes
2: out to be. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of, lot of change. Um, once you actually start putting things together, uh, they have to, Hold together. Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy to make to make a shape, a couple of shapes in a drawing, uh, and then to actually.
1: I would imagine a public piece of art is almost a collaborative in itself because you have to deal with inspectors for safety and all these kinds of things in your work.
2: And and that that's required. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be up for a number of years. Uh, mm-hmm. and you don't want people to fall off and pierce themselves with some beautiful oh. that you uh and that that I kind of, I kind of enjoy that uh, and again I'm not sure exactly why um uh, but I enjoy that that part of the process uh, how can how can this actually come to be um? Mm-hmm. It's And my pieces are inventions, as Nancy's landscapes are, basically. Sure. Uh, and, and it's it's a peculiar process. Do you know what's going on all the time, Armin? When
1: you're... No, about anything <laughs> in my life. I actually don't know what's going on. It's a mystery. On. No. I wake up and <laughs> say, hmm. Mm, um, oh matter of fact... Uh, you know, a few years ago, I got a little bit tired of drawing in realism because uh, uh, I wanted to not translate but invent, and so uh, mm-hmm. that's become a change. and And I have to say, I'm influenced by by Nancy's uh, the way she works. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you not be? Nice. Uh, I mean, I'll always draw realistically and, and that kind of thing. But, that, but but I wanted to ask Nancy about how do you start with your works? You know, you, you have, you have some wonderful things behind you, people on the radio. I mean, uh, listening to us obviously can't see that, but how do you start with those? Is it, is it an accidental process? Are you looking at the real deal? Are you working from nature? Are you looking at photographs or f- from memory or is all of that work in in here?
3: When I'm out um, when I'm out West and I'm hiking, I'm taking photographs constantly, and I might take uh, over a month's time, uh, six or 700 photographs of mountainscapes. Um, the uh, The contours are very important to me, the way mountains overlap uh, and go on into almost infinity. Um, I study those. And so when I'm back in my studio, and those are on my computer, <clears throat> I'm going through... <coughs> Uh, Five, six, seven hundred images of mountainscapes. And I'm zooming and I'm looking at the delicacy and the intricacies of how one mountain relates to another. Um, And um, so from there, I do a drawing. Uh, I draw onto the surface that I'm about to paint. uh, And then it's a matter of process. I might completely negate that. some of the most meaningful comments that I've had from people who live out there and who live with my work, um, they say it it feels like they're walking straight into the mountains the way they do, the way they hike every day uh for years and years and years. So that's what I want to capture. That um um well I don't I really admire your work, Armin, and to compare mine to yours is <laughs> Out of the question, because your attention to detail is beyond my uh, comprehension at all. But I do want to relate the intricacy of the contours that I'm experiencing. I'm not wanting to just make it up. Oh, there's, you know, this mountain is that type. I want every single nuance uh, to be represented with my brush and stroke. Um, so on well, takes- your
1: sense of you know atmospheric perspective is just intense just what i'm mm-hmm. seeing back there you know you, and i think that's why you can walk into that place
0: mm-hmm. so much depth absolutely
1: okay. and nothing seems decorative
0: no no not at everything all everything
1: is there in and it's in its natural form and its beauty um and uh i i don't know if you've you know It seems like you have one foot in abstraction and another one in realism. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes. And I was I'm glad you made that comment because uh, I want to draw the viewer's attention back to this is the painting. It is not a photograph. It is a painting. Mm -hmm. And so I'm incorporating a little more of the abstract aspect um, of the composition um, back and forth to um, not give up the intricacies of the contour, but to bring the brush stroke and perhaps even some other colors, not in a decorative way, but in a more, this is a painting uh, way in a more formal, using uh, all of the aspects, all of the elements of a painting in a more formal manner. Uh, From my, um, I loved that you said, Ironman too, that, most of what we know as artists we've taught ourselves mm-hmm. and although I have these degrees. I didn't learn much of anything quite <laughs>
4: right when I was in school. Uh,
3: and I'm not using much of anything uh, except the, the one professor that I had, Tony DeBlasi did teach me about color and uh, subtleties. Um, but other than that, uh, it's, it's a learning experience of, uh, what is decorative? What is honest? Um, mm-hmm. What is an honest impulse? And does that work? That's why I'll ask Russ to come in and say, does anything annoy you?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm.
3: As he would be completely sensitive to um, all of the formal mm-hmm. elements of composition, of whether it's a painting, a drawing, a sculpture, mm-hmm. um, talk to each other from that point of view.
0: Oh, I I love that. And I love when you you're talking about the authentic because we'll have discussions, Armin and I on that. Is this, is this a very original thought? Is this an authentic thought? Uh, You know, is this, is this decorative or not, you know, back and forth? We have a lot of discussions like that. And I, I know um, just listening to you both and listening to Russell describe his drawings being transformed into sculpture and how Russell said you said that you're always amazed when the drawing is very accurate and I'm thinking and you said you're thinking you're drawing but you're thinking in three dimensions Uh, that is so helpful for an artist to hear that because when you are using a sketchbook and you are doing these drawings It is good to hear that because it causes you for me, it causes me to reflect back on uh, cubism a little bit, have how they walk around the objects. And it's so helpful to give a life to a drawing, a painting or a sculpture. And, you know, Russell, I'm almost hearing you say that you're surprised that you think that way. And where does that come from? And I'm going to ask all you three, where does that come from? Where does an artist learn to think in those ways about just the the uh, the uh, elements of art, the structure? Any thoughts on that? Because that really hit me. I'm kind Uh, of a shape person myself in my work and to hear about shapes coming to life in three dimension is very exciting.
2: uh, Art in general is is a great mystery. <laughs> uh, I don't understand it. Um, but i and I, and I think that's good. I, the, it's kind of the passageway thing in in my gates. Um, i I try not to be t- figure things out too much um. And it, it is a great mystery. And Nancy's paintings are a great mystery, is how mm-hmm. she can do what she does. Um, and a lot of my artist friends are that way. I don't know how they can do what they do. Uh, and I don't think they understand ethers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it just, it, it things astound me still. Um, about this whole process, this whole thing that we do, uh, this art making thing, uh, it's a it's an astounding mystery, um, and it is a great source of pleasure in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Nancy calls me from Santa Fe, uh, and her voice is different uh, than her voice when she's here. Uh, she's in a different place. Um, and it's, I think it's wonderful, uh, mm-hmm. but you you can feel a certain uh, serenity uh, in her voice that I don't hear a lot of uh, when she's here, busy doing things uh, with a lot of other requirements and so on in her life. Um, I, I don't know. I... I'm delighted to be an artist and to be in this kind of mm-hmm. mystery and be a part of this. mystery. Um, well, I, I think might, that's well said. You know, I,
0: I absolutely think so too. All of that, and 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 like you said, it is a mystery, and we don't have to figure it out. We just have to make the art. So just, uh, I plug it along.
2: Every ever, every artist is different, and some. Mm-hmm. People uh, can figure their stuff out. If if I my feeling is that when I figure things out too carefully, um, I'm missing something.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I'm on the wrong track or mm-hmm. something. I can understand it too carefully.
4: That makes uh, sense.
2: And at the same time, uh, I put these two pieces together, and they can't fall apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> I, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the that's the balance of it all. Yeah. yeah so
1: what do you think about that? About uh, the mystery of of oh, <coughs> and, and having to at times explain it, and you find oh. yourself saying things that might not. I'm not saying they're not true, but you overanalyze your own work and take the magic out of your own work because mm-hmm. you're trying to explain something that you don't know really why it's there. It just feels right.
3: I told my students at U of M one time, that's sorry about that. That's Riley. And I'm
1: Um, having a dog issue over here too.
3: (laughs) I
0: told them, um, if you ever
3: get into a critique with a, uh, and where the professor is asking you questions, never hesitate to say, I don't know. And for university students, University of Michigan, to say, I don't know. I mean, that's blasphemy. You can't do that.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Right. And do you know that artists don't always know why they do what they do, and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it was like a, oh, no, we always have to analyze and be able to write papers about what we've done and what we're going to do. No, I was never supposed to be an artist. Mm -hmm. My degree was in math. Um, And I just, after a while, got tired of math and science classes and illegally uh, got into an art class at the university. Um, And once I had class number one, it qualified me for class number two. Uh, So nobody ever asked me for a portfolio or to justify being there. Um, So it's a mystery that I end (laughs) up here.
4: Um,
3: But I... I used to quit being an artist periodically, and uh, I had that studio down in Detroit, and I would come home and say to Russ, well, uh, I'm going to tell the landlord that we're not going to rent it anymore. Uh, It's too much money. I'm not, I shouldn't be. And he would say, well, let's wait a month and see how it, (laughs) let's not do it this month.
0: (laughs)
1: But, Boy, but we're going through the same thing. This we? is so
0: familiar. We're going through that exact thing right now. <laughs> so just wait a month. Don't give I'm it. Gonna up. Wait another month.
2: <laughs> she reaches a point where almost all of her paintings, um, she's going to destroy. It. And if I oh. can just get her not to destroy it uh, overnight, um, it's wonderful tomorrow. Yeah.
4: So she, once yeah. you
2: reach the point where she's about to set fire to the
1: <laughs> Well, you know, as a, as a fellow artist, I understand that. I uh I am never when I finish a piece of work, I'm never as happy as I think I should have been, you know? And so then it, it gets to be a older work and all that kind of stuff. It's all about, you know, this is very cliche, but it's all about what I'm working on now, right? Um, but yeah, I get that feeling sometimes. I just want to erase my artistic self and be that twenty year old wide eyed art student again. I mean, I was a little, that, you know, but
0: I have to talk you off the ledge a few times, Arvin. I, yes. I know that <laughs> it's it's so fun to hear that that conversation between two couples and it's, it's almost, I don't know, this may sound crazy, but it's almost like our temperaments align where my temperament aligns with Russell and Nancy's temperament aligns with Armand's and back and forth a little bit. Does any of you get that feeling from this? Cause I know that, yeah, you're telling me, Hey, Keep the studio or I'm, we were kind of back and forth on everything. So I love hearing you both. I know what Nancy
1: said, you know, you know, people think we sit around and uh, talk about art all the time. we are watching this. What are we watching? That's. Oh
0: yeah. I think you you all might like this. It's called uh, landscaped artist of the year. It's a British series where they're going out into great Britain And finding all these submissions of artists of all types, all mediums, both abstract and realistic. And they're featuring them, painting out uh, on plein air. But it's but the the results that come out of this show are. How would you describe? I mean, there's all different genres of art. It's different. I
1: didn't want to watch a bunch of people painting plein air you know uh i i I thought no that's going to be a torture for me uh uh, first of all i've tried plein air and i and for some reason i think i change the weather because i do that because every time i've done it you know it's like storms come about and bugs and all these other kinds of nasties but i found this show very intriguing because of the different way people interpret the landscape and it, mm-hmm. it wasn't a cliche way that most people mm-hmm. do this. It was very surprising. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I I'm really enjoying it. And I, she had to talk me into it. I, you know, yeah. I wanted to watch the Dahmer thing. See, so. oh
0: yeah, no, I said no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> Send us a link to
1: it. We'd probably like. Oh
0: to- sure, I'll put that in the email. I, yeah,
1: it's there's also one about a portrait. Uh, Portrait artist of the year. Yes, we have five years of it or six again. years of it, so it is. It, it's so different than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It's very different for, for you guys and also people listening. Uh, check that mm-hmm. out. No matter if you're a landscape artist or not, this is one of thought. This is one of concept, mm-hmm. and that's what's so interesting about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Well, mm-hmm. we've had a wonderful hour with you two. This has been very, very enjoyable. And inspiring. Makes me want to get in the studio now.
1: Well, now thank- we need to go out to dinner and really talk about the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you for asking us. This was a um, pleasure and honor to be with you.
1: Right. Uh, well, thank you guys, too. And uh, just a little uh, nudge again to Russell. Thank you for, for letting me become an artist. Through mm-hmm. you.
0: So. Now I wish I had had you both as professors of art. But we all learn our way, I guess.
2: So. We well, do. Yeah, that's been another mystery, too, is how, how I got here. Uh, <laughs> what I do. Um, I could not have written this script. Um, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's been a great journey.
0: Golden Apple Residency is looking toward the future. All the participating artists are selected in advance, and it is wise to plan ahead for summer of 2024. The application process is very simple and straightforward, and there's no application fee. The main qualification is an unwavering dedication to one's creative goals, and as such, are seeking time and space to pursue those goals. Golden Apple accepts artists and writers with diverse interests, backgrounds, educations, and experience. One does not need to be a professional artist, but simply needs to have an overwhelming desire to continue to learn and grow through time, space, and experience, all of which Golden Apple provides. They honor and welcome artists and writers at every stage of their career. Shelley Stevens, artist and director, is happy to answer any questions. And with her guidance, she can help make residencies happen at Golden Apple Studios and Residencies. You can email Shelly at s n Stevens at goldenapplestudio.com. That's S-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S at goldenapplestudio.com. Thank you, Shelly, for being a sponsor of our podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find our past and future episodes at anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook page, Art Ladders: The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. Special thanks to our producer, Taylor Kramer of Cold Shower Media.
1: And check out our websites, valerieallenart.com, arminmersman.com. Stay creative! Stay curious and we'll see you next time.